I'm Robin. Um, I am a person in recovery. Um, I'm a codependent um, at, at the moment, just for today. I don't have any other fellowships that I'm, you know, or any other recoveries that I'm in. Um, but there's still time for me to develop some other addiction of some sort because I am the daughter of an alcoholic. Um, I come from a family of um, codependency and alcoholism and generational trauma. Um, you know, I have worked on and off about in, about my codependency. I've worked on and off. I thought I was just an adult children, a child of an alcoholic, and I was going to ACA meetings a long time ago. Um, <clears throat> and so I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, um, the daughter of a a nurse and a, a, a liquor distributor, <laughs> coincidentally. And um, <clears throat> it was uh, a home that was, you know, not so settled. And, you know, as kids, we don't know whether what's a good home or, or not, or, you know, whether other homes operate that way or not. Um, everything was more or less fine until, um, you know, I turned into a teenager. I always knew my dad drank and I didn't really know what problems my parents have. I wasn't really sure. Um, when I was in, I went to Catholic school and when I was in Catholic school in like the second or third grade, um, I was molested by a priest in public with full knowledge of other people. And um, I never told anybody because I thought, well, everybody knew, so, you know, as a little kid, it must be okay. And I never came out about that until, I don't know, maybe five years ago, uh, you know, in the Me Too movement. And I started hearing people's stories about what that was and how, you know, what it could be and what it could look like. And I was like, hey, that's me. And then <clears throat> I looked up on a database of Catholic priests and the guy who did it, did it to a bunch of people. Like he's got a whole rap sheet of women and kids, other kids, other boys that he did this to. So that was one thing. And then, you know, as I became a teenager, um, my I was, I was uh, abandoned, basically. My mom went back to work at, uh, when I was in, I guess, eighth grade. And my um, sister and brother were eight and 10 years older than me. So they were gone. They were off doing their thing. And I was left home with my father. <clears throat> and my dad would come home early, drunk. And I'd have to cook him dinner. And then I'd have to deal with him while my mom was at work for a couple hours. And he was extremely abusive verbally. And um, I did everything I could to stay out of the line of fire. You know, I tried to keep quiet. I tried to, you know, just disappear. I, I cooked, but I had to cook dinner. So that was there in life was the rub. Um, and it was later pointed out to me by um a, a therapist that my mother made me assume her role her like just being there and my father's anger was directed at me and i've always had a um a, a penchant for the truth because i saw so much bullshit around me as a kid that i finally just started speaking up i'm like no that's not how this is no i don't see it like that no that's not how this is and that would get me in trouble and so my brother came moved back home for a little bit and he said to me you just need to be quiet just like when he starts just zip it and that was his way of doing it but he was the firstborn boy and he never got the shit that my sister and I got and so 
I mean, it was good advice, you know, how to deal with an alcoholic. Don't, you know, don't participate. You know, if they're drunk, do not participate. So, um, you know, as I got older and I was still at home, um, I started doing that, but that would incite his rage also. And so I was scape I was alternately scapegoat lost child in my family. Um, <clears throat> and my way of dealing with it was just not to be there. And that's how I deal with, um, <laughs> gosh, most things in my life, basically. Um, maybe they have like a, a lost child anonymous group because that would totally be me. I would like sign into that. Maybe I should work the steps on that one. Um, <clears throat> I um, then moved out and, um, you know, had some okay relationships, some not okay relationships. I had one in college where I lived with a guy for five years and he was, he's fantastic. He's still a friend of mine, but we were too young. I didn't know how to navigate that. And I never really looked at my codependency or thought about it. At 24, I got involved with somebody who was really bad for me. And I was, I was involved with somebody before that who um, beat me. And I left and went to college. And I just took that as just a, like a bad relationship. And then I was involved with somebody when I was 24. And I, when I ended it, he beat and raped me. And um, I am the product of two date rapes, molested by a priest. And so, you know, I, I started going to codependency meetings. And I was also involved after that with who I thought was a good choice and turned out to be, now I know in my sixties, I figured this out was a covert narcissist. Okay. So that brought me here. Fast forward. <clears throat> I was married for 20 years and I realized that I was married to a narcissist also. And so what happened was a year ago, I had a breakup. I was with somebody three and a half years. It was long distance. He lived in Amsterdam. I saw him every two months and, um, I realized that he was a covert narcissist and there was a whole lot of heavy psychological game playing and abuse. And that brought me back to codependency and because I was looking into narcissism and how codependents tend to get involved with narcissists because we can't enforce our boundaries. And so um, I hit rock bottom because I'd been in therapy since my twenties and no therapy. And I was, I'm totally open in my therapy as open as I can be. I don't hide anything about, you know, how I grew up or anything. And nobody ever said to me, Hey, you know what? Your dad was a narcissist. But now that I know what that looks like, yeah, my dad and most of my relationships save the guy in college were narcissists. And I don't, didn't and don't at times enforce my boundaries. And now I am. So it brought me back to these meetings. And whether I go to an all recovery meeting, or I go to a codependency meeting, I find such um, support and knowledge in these groups, because um, recovery is recovery, as far as I'm concerned, um, for me, at least. Um, I had to look at that my father was a narcissist and that, like I say, most of my relationships with men, romantic ones, were narcissistic. Um, I don't really have too much of a problem with that with, um, you know, platonic relationships, which is interesting. 
And so I've started to apply how I treat my platonic friends in my dating life. I'm dating, I'm single right now, and which I think is a really good thing to be single at the moment. Um, and assessing what love really looks like and what a healthy relationship, platonic or otherwise, looks like. Um, not people pleasing and more more that I can say is subjugating myself and giving myself up. Abandoning myself is what I do. Um, not sticking to the truth of who I am and telling other people, hey, I didn't feel good when you did that. And, you know, letting them sort it out, um, leaving, leaving abusive relationships. Leave, like, well, I have one relationship. <laughs> I have one relationship. I have a work relationship. And I mean, relationship by I work there and I've worked there for, I'm a college teacher. Um, I'm a design, a designer and I teach design at school. And the whole situation has been not good for me to teach anymore. And um, they're very, they're, I'm not enforcing my boundaries, but now I am, I, I got a master's degree and I'm moving, I'm doing something else. So, but you know, that comes back to self-esteem. And um, I can say that being in these groups and having the support of everybody here has really helped me um, figure out who I am and honor who I am. And, and <clears throat> more than anything, not abandon myself. I mean, that's the big thing, not sell myself out. Like when I do, when I do something and like keep quiet or, or not express my needs in any, anywhere, anytime, that is me leaving myself. And someone asked in one of the meetings, one of, it was a topic meeting and it was like, you know, being your authentic, being your authentic self. And I think I'm fairly authentic, but, but only in certain situations, if I think you're going to leave me, then I'm not. Like if I, if, if I don't know you, I can totally set a boundary, but if I know you, I can't set a boundary to save my fucking life. Um, I came back to the meetings and found secular meetings because as you can imagine, I'm an atheist. <laughs> I don't, I don't believe in a higher power. I don't assign it to anything and whatever anybody else does. That's cool. I just don't, I can't do it. It's I believe that the power comes within and from my community. So thank you for giving me the chance to talk. And I'm so thankful that everybody's here. And I have learned so much in the last year coming to meetings and I will pass and open the floor. <laughs>